What happens when you find that you aren't actually living your own life? When you're there, but not there. When the perfect Molotov cocktail of stress, ambition, technology, and an ego-infused corporate culture drive you to physical breakdown. Because this stress is more common than you might think. Welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Dix, and this is a show about meditation, mindfulness, and health. We explore the stories and the insights of teachers, scientists, coaches, and everyday practitioners to help you fuel your own meditation practice. Today, I'm chatting with transformational life coach, Aaron Owen, about the chronic stress that permeates our modern Western culture. Once upon a time, about 13 years ago, Erin earned her master's degree in business administration. She was working in a fast-paced corporate culture, and then everything started to fall apart. That was the beginning of another story of transformation, one that was infused with the contemplative arts from the East. Erin shares the story of that transformation and also how she blends her business acumen with Eastern meditative and yogic influences to work with clients who suffer from the same symptoms of stress and overwhelm that compelled her to leave the corporate world over a decade ago. So I think you're really going to enjoy this show. Towards the end, Erin shares with us the key six pillars of her approach and it's totally inspiring. So let's jump in to this interview with Aaron Owen. Okay, Aaron, welcome to the show. We're, I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you, Morgan. I'm happy to be here with you. Great. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about your story. Can you tell me a little bit about how you became a transformational life coach? And well, yeah, really what led you to this place where you are supporting people in this way. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to share a little bit about my story. Uh, it may have a part B, so let's see where we go. Yeah, definitely. So my background, I was working as a consultant for an international consulting firm. Mm. And if you know anything about consulting, you know that it's uh, intense. There are a yeah. lot of hours, very client-focused, and to complement those factors, uh, I also worked in very complex projects, ones that were related to organizational transformation. So a merger, an acquisition, a divestiture, a major growth or change within a company for our clients. And I would tend to play the role of a project manager, also working on areas of aligning organizations, looking at culture, looking at all those different aspects that are often forgotten mm-hmm. in financially focused deal. Mm. Um, very intellectually stimulated, loved working across boundaries, you know, within clients, within our own organization. Yeah. Was very, uh, but also was very ego driven. And as a result of that work, uh, I ended up having an increasing serious series of health issues mm. that ended up being a wake up call for me. And I'll, I'll actually point you to a couple critical moments. So yeah. 
Uh, and one quick question there. When you said it's ego-driven, I mean, I, I have ideas about that, but can you give me just an example of what that means? I can now because of my yoga practice. Yes. Um, at that point, I didn't know what was going on. So through the yogic lens that I have, I can say that I would seek to work harder, achieve more because of what it might supposedly earn me in terms of material rewards, as well as perhaps recognition from others Mm. and seeking to do that to better myself so that I was better than others. Right. Also uh, making my parents proud. Um, so those kind of factors that related to to ego and ego in the sense of also disconnecting myself from others, not seeing myself as part of the whole, the unity, not realizing that we're all connected. Yeah. And, and did you start right out right after your MBA or right after college? Did you start in that industry? Uh, it was consecutive in the sense that I had worked for this company in China and Shanghai mm. and got so excited about the field, which at the time was new to me that I transferred back to the headquarters outside Chicago and simultaneously did my MBA at night mm. and then ended up transferring to the third city uh, for personal reasons, but still with the company. So I, at one point had the most insane schedule of working as a consultant commuting in the Chicago area and doing my MBA, you know, doing wow. that work and those commitments. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So breakdowns. Many, many, many breakdowns yeah. and really lacking total awareness because I was so intensely plugged into the culture of that work and, mm. and the ego driven uh, spin that I didn't really recognize the signs and the messages that my body was sending me about the health breakdowns until again, they got so serious. Hmm. And I mentioned, you know, the key moments, the wake up calls for me, one was professional. I was working again as a project manager on a project in charge of dotting all the I's crossing all the T's, you know, people counted on me to really watch the timelines and make things happen. And there was a particular meeting that I had set up and organized for my team that I failed to show up at because I was so in the fog, so much in the fog, both physically and mentally of that stress storm. That was a huge wake up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, being ego driven, like what a loss of face, right. To be the go-to person who had been recognized for my performance and my expertise. And yet, wow, I couldn't even show up for a meeting that I had planned. Right. So that was the first wake up call. Yeah. Yeah. More personal. I was sitting on the couch next to my then boyfriend. It was about seven or seven thirty at night. And I just fell asleep sitting up right next to him. Hmm. It wasn't the first time, but he, you know, elbowed me and, and said, you know, what, what's up, what's going on? This is not okay. You've got to figure out what's going on with you. And you know, it can't be this way. So that started a whole series of experiments, of attempts to shift things for myself, which I can share or not share. But ultimately, 
led to me making changes related to my health, my relationships, my work schedule. And when people started to notice that I was showing up more present, I was more creative, more productive, uh, less reactive, uh, that I was connecting with them on a more present and personal caring level. Uh, and tangibly with the health changes, you know, losing weight and looking better. They said, you know, I, I want some of that. Where'd you get that? Can you right. help me with that? And this light bulb went off for me and I said, you know what? It would be so much more meaningful to work with people and help them make the kind of transformation that I experienced than to stay here and suffer from this stressful environment that I was inspired to quit my job and to start working with people. That's very interesting. I want to come back to this, but I, I'm, I'm still with you on the couch. And can you, can you tell me more about what happened there? Cause it obviously, it sounds like that was an inflection point for you, but there sounds like there was more to it than just you falling asleep on the couch. Like what was going on around that? Like what was the, what was the buildup or, or what were you feeling? I was feeling great question, by the way. Um, I was feeling lost because I had been trying to do the things that mainstream society and medicine told me to do, right? Mm. I was trying to work out more and switch to whole wheat instead of white and read the books on emotional intelligence and, you know, those things, mm -hmm. but they weren't working. And I was seeing a continued breakdown in my body and I had been seeing a specialist and taking prescription medication and that specialist wasn't listening to me or wasn't caring to listen to me to understand that other things were important besides what his double blind peer reviewed studies had told him. Right. And the physical side effects of the medical conditions I was struggling with were directly impacting my intimacy, my sexual intimacy with my partner. Mm. And my stress level was causing my mind to not be calm and present. So that when I was physically co-located with him in the room, my mind was somewhere else. Scattered. Right. So on so many different levels, we were together, but not together. We were connected, but not connected. And there was a, a pain that was so raw and real and mm. yet no awareness or skill set about how to do anything different to make it right. Mm. So it sounds like the stress and the buildup, as you described it, the kind of ego-infused culture and being immersed in that part of what it was, it was precipitating kind of a m multiple la levels of breakdown, but a big one and a primary one, it sounds like in you, one of your most intimate relationships and that being a, a one of the very big triggers or I've, flags, red flags. Yeah. And, you know, I'll share openly and I do this when I, when I speak publicly that, mm. You know, I was and still am, you know, a type A personality, a people pleaser, mm. also a perfectionist. Mm. So all the masks that I had put up on, oh, I've got it together. I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. They were breaking down, you know, and you can't 
hide anymore when the effects of the breakdown are showing up so explicitly in your work performance and in your personal connection and relationships. So I, I understand and I get that, that challenge that my clients face in trying to do their best, thinking they're doing their best, but not seeing it succeed and then feeling the internal uh, fears and pressure that comes from, from failing. Mm. I get it. I get it. I've experienced it. And of course I still experience it in smaller ways, which is such an important learning tool for me. Yeah. But thank God I don't have to go through that again because of what I now know and what I practice. Yeah. So do you think this is uh, part of what you're saying is this is common that do you feel like there are a lot of people who hit this point, but often just don't know what to do. And they come to whether it's like a relationship or in their work. Cause part of what you just transmitted was that on the surface, everything appears to be going according to plan, but underneath the, the foundation is becoming, it's on shifting sand and you don't know why. And there's a lot of fear and anxiety and you don't, you don't, you're, you're also in denial. Yeah. It's not only common, Morgan. I, my, through my lens, what I see in the world, I think it's epidemic, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what's, is what drives my work because I fundamentally believe and know we're all connected is so if the vast majority of us working in this intense modern environment are asleep at the wheel, what is that going to lead to in terms of the ripple effect? Yeah. In my view, the primary culprit is technology and how accessible we are to our work, how hard it is to create healthy boundaries, how our use of technological devices gets in the way of us being present with ourselves and connecting to ourselves even before we talk about the issue of how it gets in the way of how we connect to others. Mm-hmm. And as much as we might plug in and greatly benefit from the tools that we have, we are fundamentally spiritual human beings and mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to honor that. We have to nurture that. We have to be present to that every single day before we can achieve and excel and make contributions in the world. So one thing you just said that definitely gets my attention when you're talking about this is when you said we're all fundamentally spiritual beings. So there's two things. I'd be curious to know where does your conviction in that come from? So a little bit about like, why do you say that? Like, and because I think it's it's important, but I'd I'd love to know a little bit more about like the story around that conviction, your story around that, and and so number one, then number two, in terms of what you just diagnosed as epidemic, the the second part of my question is then, how do you help people specifically? You know y- your work. So how many hours do we have? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> All right, so let me try to be concise. Yeah. I'll try. Because I know you have a very interesting background. Like transparently, obviously, I'm, I, I find it, you have a very eclectic background, which may not be apparent so far. Yeah. 
I am a voracious learner, endlessly curious, wanting to know more, and especially about things that don't make sense or don't have a concrete answer. Hmm. I want to, I want to get to the core of it. And so as I healed my body, my mind, my relationships, I cleared the congestion that had been there from caused by stress and crappy eating, et cetera. Mm. And with, with that process through that experience, I became aware of, I woke up to what I now believe had been there all along, which is that we're all connected. And, you know, I think about the Taoist practice and belief that we all have this one mind, this subconsciousness that's actually connected. Hmm. We might go on a tangent here, so forgive me. Go but, for it. But we love the tangents here. <laughs> I, you know, I started my yoga practice because I was stressed out and had back pain. The yoga led me to greater self awareness using the yoga mat as a mirror to really see what was going on with myself. Hmm. I began to have what you might say at the time were inexplicable experiences or insights during my yoga practice. I wanted to know more. I became certified to be a yoga teacher, not because I wanted to teach yoga, but because I wanted to know more about the yogic philosophy and practice. And mm. at that time learned about Vipassana meditation and practiced that. I had already studied MBSR mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is, you know, a medicalized, more mainstream version of meditation and meditative practices and began to wake up my senses, my, my intuitive senses, my energetic senses, things that we don't talk about in the modern business world. That led me to wanting to know more about what I was experiencing in the room that I couldn't put my fingers on. I needed a framework to better understand why was I getting information about somebody that I didn't previously know? How did I intuitively sense or know that somebody had a pain or a need? How come I was feeling what Japan, in Japanese is called hibiki, sensations in my own body that mm -hmm. were a reflection of somebody? What the heck was going on? What was this about? And that led me to learning about Reiki and mm -hmm going through level one, two, three, Reiki, becoming a Reiki master, all this stuff that I got to tell you before this transformation was way out there. Woo woo. I would have told you to like pack your bags and go somewhere because you didn't know what you were talking yeah. about. And yet because of the sensational curiosity, I kept learning, 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 digging deeper. And it gave me a vocabulary, a framework through which to interpret what I was experiencing that I didn't understand. Mm. And then I studied more of the Taoist practices. Then I got more curious about, because I had lived previously in China, studied a lot of Chinese culture, a lot of Chinese language and history and this and that. And I learned more about Reiki and the Japanese tradition. Then I was learning more about Balinese spiritual and life practices. And I, you know, I take my clients on retreat to Bali and learning I, more I've about- been, I've been surfing at Uluwatu in Bali. Oh. Oh, just a magical place when I was in college. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Right. Sorry. And meeting with healers and becoming fascinated by shamanism and right. All of these different aspects of 
who we are beyond the physical definable boundaries of the body Hmm. uh, that aren't just the common five senses. Uh, And waking up to the fact that, Oh my God, we are, we are energetic spiritual beings. We are connected. There are so many moments of evidence in my life and as part of my coaching practice with clients, I have offered them distance Reiki, being able to send them basically healing energetic support to remove barriers to mm. forward movement towards their goals and getting enough clients saying, Hey, did you send me Reiki at this time? Because such and such happened enough tangible feedback. Yeah. To know, okay, there's something to this. This isn't mm. focus, and so that's my you know roundabout way of saying you know that's how I've come to know that there's something so much more that we are fundamentally spiritual human beings and we are all connected. Yeah, and and Aaron, when did you make this pivot towards this? whole vein of study was it was it during before or after this event on this this sort of pivotal event on the couch like what did you make this after you started to leave the business world in in your previous incarnation or was it was this something that's been kind of ongoing like how, how old were you and when in the timeline did this kind of whole vein of study open up for you you know, I think the seeds were there throughout my life with some key experiences. Yeah. But that, that moment, right, or those combined moments within, you know, a week or two of each other. Yeah. Of the, oh, bleep, this is clearly not working. I've got to make something. Forced me to look at, oh, you know, this yoga practice, I do feel a little bit better when I do it. I should do more of this. And, oh, I should ignore these conventional mainstream practices that have not been working for me and look for my own approach. I should have more confidence and trust in my intuition to experiment. It was that, that those, those, you know, clear inflection points and the eye opening that came from that, that led me to a series of experiments that informed one another. So it was Mm. cumulative. Yes. And, and, you know, I'm, I don't know, what is it, 15 years? No, no, probably 13 years into that transformation, and it's still happening on deeper and deeper levels. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, flip the switch, everything's good, what's next? Yeah. It's cumulative, it's transformative, and in a magically wonderful, unending way. Hmm. So can you tell me then, how does this, how does the meditation how do these other holistic modalities play into your work with with people into into your transformational work with people? How do you also deal with this epidemic? So my vision and my mission is really about helping people wake up to their potential to reduce the overwhelm, reduce the stress clear out what doesn't work for them so they can be more present in their life and have the bigger impact they want to have. Hmm. The 
the meditation, the yoga, the Eastern practices, they all weave their way through the fabric of my work. They inform how I, you know, make myself present and become present to create the space for the client to transform. Uh, they act as the more yin or more Eastern complement to the more yang or Western structure and six pillar approach to my system and philosophy because, you know, I work with clients around first their vision for their life and the mindset that they need to have to support that. So they're with creating that, but there's also key skills that they need to either build or enhance to get there. So I work with them in another pillar around time management and personal organization. Mm. And I find surprising how far people get in their life and in their career with really poor interpersonal and communication skills. Yeah. And so another pillar is relationships and communication and understanding. I I teach my clients a set of conscious, conscious communication principles and practices. Mm. Uh, Yet another area relates to career and finance because, Hey, we're spiritual human beings, but we're operating in the material world in the 21st century. So we have to function, right? We're, we're in the young world. We're in the very feet on the ground, right? I might be a practitioner of yoga and meditation and Reiki, but I'm not, I personally am not making the choice to go sit in a cave and meditate for months. I'm personally not making the choice to go be part of a Buddhist monastery. That's not my path. And my clients want to be in the material world. So, you know, let's align their bigger aspirational vision with the practicality of needing to pay the bills. Right. And it, and, Money is just another form of energy. Yeah. So teaching clients about that and, and, you know, we could go into more detail there, but, um, so there are, you know, in total six different pillars, but it's. The, can you, the can you quickly path. list those pillars again? You, you took us through them quick. Uh, yeah. So I haven't named all of them yet. So vision and mindset, mm-hmm. health and well-being, mm-hmm. spirituality and creativity. Nice. Time management and personal organization, mm-hmm. and career and finance. That's great. And so you work with people in all those categories. Yeah, and some people we take a deep dive in just one. Yeah, but everything's connected. So so often it's three or four of those really, uh, and underlying all of them is helping clients build a set of what I call personal performance platinum practices or P4 and the platinum practices are really, you know, what are your personal best practices? What are the things that when you do them on a regular basis, help you to show up as your best fuel you in the most positive way so that you can have the impact on the world that you want to have. And for me, I know that, I have a bias, right, based on my experience and what I've seen work really well with clients, that you've got to have a set of practices that relate to your self-care anchors, right? Like a, a ship drops an anchor. Absolutely. Right? What are your self-care anchors? And I recommend, and 
find that clients often on their own even come up with particular anchor, self-care anchor that is about quieting their mind and being more introspective. Mm. And that might be on the golf course. It might be out running training for a marathon. It might be climbing the face of a mountain. It might be sitting on a cushion with meditation. It might be practicing yoga. It might be gardening. It might be a 100% harnessing your mind to being present with playing with your puppy or your two-year-old. But you've got to have something that you do that quiets your mind and allows you to be observant of yourself. And you've got to do it on a regular basis. I don't care if it's a week or once a day or twice a day, but you have to have a self-care anchor that's about quiet and introspection. Hmm. I couldn't agree more. And do you find that that is one of the primary things missing for folks? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no space in the average person's calendar to breathe, let alone be quiet and have introspection. And when I people about time management I teach it through the lens of yin and yang and the fact that when you cram back everything in back to back to back to back how can you reflect on what's working well for you yeah how can you take a fabulous insight or idea and move it forward how can you honor your commitment to the people who you're working with by following through when you can't even remember to text your your husband back or mm. uh, pick up your dry cleaning yeah, or take a breath that fills your lungs beyond 30% capacity or take a sip of water mm. or remember to eat or to get more than four hours of sleep. I mean, there are so many fundamental things that we have to allow for so there's more flow and ease in our day and we have that important perspective that comes from stepping back and taking a look at what's actually happening in the moments of our day nice okay so we only have about two or three more minutes and so we're going to wrap up i'm going to ask you to say a little bit more about how people can get in touch with you Um, but before we do that what would you say for yourself are are the one or two major questions that you move through the world with? I tend to think that, that most of us live within questions, questions that we're, we're always uh, living through and in. And we may not always know it, but they're questions that really drive us. There's que- they're questions that shape us. Can, is there a question that you can share that that really is important for you? This relates to presence, really being present to to my experience on a moment-to-moment basis. Mm -hmm. But it happens subconsciously and consciously. I ask myself, what did I learn from this experience or this moment? What am I taking away? Nice. I would love to unpack that more, but <laughs> we don't have time. So just everyone, let's sit with that. And uh, can you 
share with everybody who may want to follow up with you directly or connect with you or learn more about your work? How can people find out more about you? Absolutely. So my website is my name, erinowen.com. And they can learn more about me there. They can also send me an email at connect at erinowen.com. And I love to start a conversation with a 15-minute phone call or video call just to get to know somebody and learn more about what they're hoping to achieve or change in their life to see if there's a good fit for us to work together. Fantastic. And everyone, I will link up Erin's website and her email in the show notes for this episode. So you can check that out. That'll be in the show notes. And Erin, thank you so much. It's It's been delightful and I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for your time too, Morgan. I loved your questions. It's been very enjoyable for me as well. Wonderful. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Erin Owen. If you want to connect with Erin, I've linked up her website and her email address in the show notes over at aboutmeditation.com forward slash podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. It's the best way to help other meditators discover our show. And you can do that over at aboutmeditation.com forward slash iTunes. Also, when you're over at our site, be sure to pick up two free guided meditations and a three-part meditation seminar called Meditation for Life. You can just head over to aboutmeditation.com to pick those up. And finally, let's end with a quote. And this one is from the Tibetan master Sogyal Rinpoche, who offers us a Tibetan Buddhist perspective on death. And he says, Despite all our chatter about being practical, to be practical in the West means to be ignorantly and often selfishly short-sighted. Our myopic focus on this life, and this life only, is the great deception, the source of the modern world's bleak and destructive materialism. No one talks about death, and no one talks about the afterlife, because people are made to believe that such talk will only thwart our so-called progress in the world. If our deepest desire is truly to live and go on living, why do we blindly insist that death is the end? Why not at least try to explore the possibility that there may be a life after? Why, if we are as pragmatic as we claim, don't we begin to ask ourselves seriously, where does our real future lie? After all, very few of us live longer than a hundred years. And after that, there stretches the whole of eternity unaccounted for.